Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. That's typically who God likes to use as those whom the world deems not worthy because he is not partial. Have you had that bias placed upon you? There are people in this room I know who have. Perhaps they looked at your nationality. Perhaps they looked at your youth. Perhaps they looked at your skin color. Perhaps they found out your education or lack thereof and immediately were partial to someone else because you just didn't stack up in their eyes. From the outward appearance, you didn't stack up. But God looks on your heart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. In this lesson, James tells us that God exalts the poor in ways we don't. Today on Truth in Christ, Pastor Rob finalizes this portion of teaching by emphasizing to us that we must not show partiality or degrade those that do not fit the mold of worldly excellence. He tells us that God accepts us based on what's in our hearts and not in our heads or bank accounts. The color of someone's skin or the financial status of a person doesn't even enter into God's choices. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must also look past the worldly treasures a person may have and concentrate on the position of their hearts. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. We're impressed with certain things and we're impressed with certain individuals and we can kind of elevate them and that so that happened and that this actually this recording was back in July 20th of 2014 and this event that he's referring to was in 1995 1995 good friday and i know that because i was there that day when this when this when i heard about this 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 awful man who had come up and uh embarrassed himself in front of this world-renowned rock star. And so what I'd like to do this morning, he's actually here today, and I'd like to ask him to come up right now. So um, if we could have Pastor Rob Kellogg come and uh, stand here at the pulpit. (laughs) Well, let me tell you the real story. And I, it is, it's pertinent to the text we're talking about today, because this is real life, and I've got to be honest with you, this is one of those moments in my life I'd love to erase from my history. <laughs> but I, we, Kathy and I came that, that night, it was Good Friday, 1995, it was the very first time I set foot in Calvary Chapel of Rochester. I never left after this. That was our first time. And we came, even when we were just friends, we weren't even married yet. I don't, I don't even know if she really liked me at that time. We were friends. We were acquaintances. And she brought me here. And so that very night, we come in and we sit. Pastor Jeff's over here. This is before the stage was here. He had a piano over here. And there was a 
a man sitting on a bar stool with a microphone, and it was around communion time. And he started to sing, Come Just As You Are. And I listened to that voice, and I'm like, I whispered in Kathy's ear, I'm like, I know who that is. That's so-and-so. And she's like, no, he's that's not. So I'm like, no, there's no other voice on the planet like that. I grew up with his music when I before I knew that before I knew Christ. I had all of their albums. It's a world-renowned rock group. You would everybody would know it. And I grew up with all of his albums. I knew the lyrics to every song. Even when I was in high school, he came to Fort Myers. This group did, and our high school choir was almost chosen to do one of the songs that they made famous to to be a backup. But I'm, I sit there, and I'm, I'm like going crazy. I'm like, I can't believe it. Is this person saved? And I was so excited. So after communion, I go up to him, and I say, hey, could I? And I was a new Christian, okay? I was only maybe a few months old. And I go up to him, and I say, hey, can I have your autograph? I had, I had, the, I had, the, I had the church program. <laughs> I had one of these. <laughs> can, can you sign your name here, man, and just... Wait, let me tell you what they're right. Rob, you know. And you know what he did? And, and you don't need to know who, you probably know who he is, but pray for him because you know what? I felt so bad after that. Because he, he was very gracious. See, he, he put his arm around me that day and when I asked him for the autograph, and I, and I didn't get the autograph, actually. And he put his arm around me and said, he says, I, I, you think... You know why we're here, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Not a clue. Yeah, I know why we're here. I know why we're here. And I felt like about that tall. And after that, I got to know him, and we had everything was fine after that, and I apologized to him. Everything was fine. But I, I just realized how it caught me off guard. And I was so partial to him. And I was so excited. And it would be very natural for, for that kind of thing to happen. But you see... My, my point in this is that we can, we can do that to celebrities. We can do that. And they're just people. They're just people. And so we need to be very careful in these things. And I made a total fool of myself. And it didn't do him any favors either. I don't think that that helped him in his walk to have people do that. And so the next time you see a famous person, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be a, a famous preacher. Don't fawn over them. Don't treat them like God. Don't treat them with some kind of, you know, you know how we can get. Remember, they are just a human being. They're just a human being. And God sees us all the same. So don't allow your heart to be taken up with partiality, with bias. And any of these things, these examples I share with you this morning, be careful of these things. Because God is not partial. He loves every single human being that has ever been born, that ever will be born. His love for them is great. So let's go on. He said, Listen, my beloved brethren, verse 5, here we're back in James, Has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? You know, God's estimation of things are very different from our own. You know, we tend to, again, we tend to look at the outward appearance. But notice, Jesus said to those who are poor of this world, and and not only maybe poor physically, you know, financially, but poor spiritually. 
You know, they don't look upon themselves as being any great thing. What did he say in Matthew 5, chapter 3? He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What about in Hebrews chapter 11? When we look at all the heroes of faith that we see there, they were all called losers in their time. They were looked down upon because of who they were. And Abraham, you know, you think about what God did through the life of Abraham and through Moses, and you can read um, Hebrews chapter 11 and see that. And it says, and finally in verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11, the author says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. The world looked at them and could care less, but God used them. God was impartial. Out of weakness, they were made strong. They became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. That's typically who God likes to use, is those whom the world deems not worthy, because he is not partial. Have you had that bias placed upon you? There are people in this room I know who have. Perhaps they looked at your nationality. Perhaps they looked at your youth. Perhaps they looked at your skin color. Perhaps they found out your education or lack thereof and immediately were partial to someone else because you just didn't stack up in their eyes. From the outward appearance, you didn't stack up. But God looks on your heart. You know, some of the most amazing people are those who never went to college. Some of the most successful people never went to college. Some of the most amazing geniuses of our, of our time never went to high school. Because of the time they lived in, they had to work to help, help the family out. And these things are true, and yet we hold in high esteem those who have the, the fancy clothes, the, the financial resources. We need to be careful. But verse 6, it says, But you dishonor the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you, and they drag you into the courts? In other words, why are you so enamored with those and with those who are wealthy and held in high esteem? Not every wealthy person is evil. Not every wealthy person is the kind who would do evil things. There are many wealthy people in the church that are wonderful characters, I mean, wonderful example of God's character. They have great hearts. They're generous. So you can never judge a book by its cover. Oh, you got a lot of money. You must have a problem with greed. You must have a problem with material possessions. I've known people who have been really stinking rich, (laughs) and you wouldn't even know it. Seriously, there's, a, there's someone in our, uh, close to our family. If you saw him and his wife in the car that he drove, you would think to, the, think to yourself, this guy must be, you'd, you'd be tempted to go up and give him a $10 bill. <laughs> and yet this man and his wife, he passed on not too long ago. But this man and his wife own half of a very large city, and I'm not kidding when I say that, in, in Ohio. They own half of the city. Multi-millionaires. Wonderful people. We got to know them. They were really wonderful folks. 
pray for his wife right now. Her name's Marilyn, and she is um, got dementia, Alzheimer's, and she's kind of going pretty quickly. And so, if you would pray for her, that God would reach her. Nothing greater I would love to see than her face in glory. Verse 7, do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called, this name of Christian? Do you know the great responsibility and the great privilege we have to be called a Christian? It literally means a Christ one. Christians were first named, as you may know, in Antioch, up in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. That's where they were first, the, 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 the term was coined. Christians, it meant Christ ones. These are the ones who follow Jesus. He says, do, not blaspheme, don't, do they not blaspheme this noble name by which you were called? In verse 8 he says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. And boy, doesn't that really hit to the core. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Leviticus chapter 19 verse 8, Jesus, because he is the author of the word of God, no doubt inspired this in verse 18. It says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And Jesus, in Matthew 22, later on said this to the scribes. Because they asked him, they came before him, if you remember, and they said, Which is the first commandment? No, which is the greatest commandment? And I love what Jesus said in Matthew 22, beginning in verse 34. He says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Do you have a problem with Ten Commandments? <laughs> none of us fill the Ten Commandments. We, none of us are faithful to the Ten Commandments. Even as Christians, we fail at the Ten Commandments. But they were not really there to, to, to say, you have to do this, because we couldn't do it. It was a schoolmaster. You can't do this, but only through Jesus in you can it be fulfilled because of what Christ has done for you and I on the cross. His perfect blood was shed. Now I am accepted in the Beloved. So now when I do sin, I confess it, and my, my relationship, my fellowship is restored with God, right? But all of those combined into two, because if you look at the Ten Commandments, you can look in Exodus chapter 20 or in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and it lists those Ten Commandments, and you notice that the first four always speak to our relationship with God. That first tablet, there were two tablets. That first one had four of them on there, and it was all about our relationship with God our relationship with him. And the second tablet were another six, and it all dealt with issues that we have with man and with one another, adultery, fornication, lying, those kinds of things. And Jesus said, all of these two are summed up in two commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart and soul, that's the first tablet. Love your neighbor as yourself, that's the second tablet. And even though it sounds very simple, it's very profound and that's why, you know, he would say, you know, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. And that, that's really what we need to be doing, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Because I love myself. I bathe myself. I love myself so much, I bathe it. I bathe myself. I feed myself. I clothe myself. I take good care of myself. And I'm supposed to love you like I love myself. 
how different the world would be if even in the church we did that. Loving each other the way God would have us to love each other. He says, verse 9, But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So by being partial, we put ourselves in the place of judge. That's really what you're doing. You're sizing up, just like the, what the, the word partial means. It means uh, you know, sizing it up, looking at it, only with the outward appearance. Verse 10, For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. And I love what he says, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. That law of liberty is the word of God. Even as a child of God, we know that we will go through a judgment. Not of salvation, because that... Punishment for your sin, for my sin, was taken care of on the cross. That's why Jesus said it is finished. So if you're here this morning and you come in with a lot of, uh, you have a lot of baggage and you're frustrated and angry because your life's a mess because of decisions, because of sins that you have done, and now you find that the consequences are overwhelming, do you know that Jesus can forgive you today? Do you know that he wants to forgive you? He wants to set you free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. But it doesn't mean we're perfect. So even as Christians, when we make mistakes, we need to realize we need to confess it. We need to confess it. And we know that there's one day that we will stand before Jesus in our resurrected bodies. And there will be rewards given or lack thereof. We will all be, you know, for those who are born again, you're going to be in heaven. But we're going to stand before that beam of seat judgment, that judgment seat of Christ as believers, And we will receive rewards based on what we've done, what we've allowed Christ to do through us. Or things we will um, not receive reward for the things that we put our hands up and said, I'll go no further. We'll lose rewards. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, and we'll close here. For we are God's fellow workers. And you are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, Paul says to the Corinthians, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if any man's, anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet, as, yet so as by fire. Do you, so do you see it? Now there are those, there's a group of people who do not, have never known Christ and don't want to know Jesus. They take their last breath and they enter an eternity. And one day they will stand at the white throne judgment. That's a different judgment. And that judgment is the one that nobody wants to be in. That is the great white throne judgment where you will be sentenced to outer darkness where there is pain and torture forever, ever, ever. We know it as hell. The lake of fire. That is where those people will be. And God will not send them there. They have chosen it by their life today. When I reject Christ and I take my last breath, God says, I I can't do anything but give you the choice that you've longed for. 
You've asked for this. And God simply gives you your choice. You know, if there's anyone here today who, when I heard that, when I first, when I first heard that, that scared me to death. And it needs to. Fear is a good thing. I needed to be told the truth. But there's also another truth that God loves me. He loves you. So don't wallow around in your condemnation. If you've come in this morning, you've come here today, and you're like completely lost, maybe things are a mess, would you please come up afterwards and we can pray with you? God wants to touch your life. He wants to indwell you by his spirit. That's what being born again is. He's not partial. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care your background. He doesn't care how much money you make. He doesn't care what you've done in your past. The horrible, dark things that you wouldn't even want to admit to yourself from the past. God says, come to me. He'll take all those things. It doesn't matter. Do you trust him with that? Do you believe it? And even as a Christian, if you've really messed up, your restoration is a prayer away because you can go, just like it says in 1 John chapter 1, confess your sin and he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that? As a child of God, take it. You honor Jesus when you do it. When you do, it's very simple yet profound, isn't it? It doesn't make sense. I don't deserve it to be able to say, Lord, forgive me for what I just did, for what I said, whatever, you know, whatever it was. If you're sincere, he'll never recall that ever again. You'll recall it, and the devil will want to put it in your face, but you can say, you know what? That sin has been forgiven, and God never looks upon it again. So I want to encourage you that if that is the place where you're at, please come forward. The elders will, will come forward. And, and just let us pray with you. And if you're a Christian and you've been struggling with unforgiveness, you've been struggling with anything, you've been guilty of, impar- of being partial like I have. I share with you my... <laughs> but that's been long forgiven. That very moment, that day when that happened, I asked God to forgive me. And I asked the man who I asked for the autograph, I asked him to forgive me too. And he did. God forgives, and he wants to heal you. Will you let him heal you? Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, God wants to heal you. He wants to touch your life. So let's stand together, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you that you are not partial, God. That you don't look upon our skin color. You don't look upon how much we take in financially every week. You don't look upon where we've gone to school. You don't look upon the clothes that we wear. Lord, you see the inward. The outward means nothing to you. Lord, help us today, Lord, to be aware of these things. And Lord, may you change our hearts that we would see each other differently and that we would love each other. Lord, seeing the potential of what you're doing in a life, even though Lord, we are being conformed to the image of Christ, even though we are being sanctified, Lord, and that process, Lord, can be messy, and it can be misunderstood. It can be misconstrued. Lord, would you please do that work in our hearts and cleanse us from these things and help us, Lord, 
to love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, this has been Truth in Christ.